Are you ready to talk baseball? Well, step up to the plate. You're listening to Passion for the Pastime. And here's your host, Walter. Hey, how's it going, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Hope you are doing well, staying safe, and being healthy out there. In this episode, we have a good one because we are leading up to opening day. I'm recording this on the eve of opening day. Opening day is upon us. I said opening day like five times in this open, but I am excited for opening day. Things are normal again. Not not necessarily, not, not 100%, but we are getting baseball back April 1st. This is not a joke. This is not a joke. We have baseball opening day. And to help me talk about opening day, talk about baseball just in general, is the encyclopedia of baseball, Marty Lurie. He does the pregame on KMBR 104.5 and 680, the sports leader for the Giants throughout the regular season on the weekends. Definitely give him a listen. And, and you know, you know me as a Giants fan. I've always listened to uh, Giants on the radio for as long as I can remember. I mean, I I, I watch TV too. I'm not a I'm, I'm you know I watch TV, but uh, I'm always on the go. Like if you know me, I'm always driving, and I always have KMBR on uh, in the car. This isn't a plug because I work there. It's just actually uh, really awesome that I work there because I I've grown up listening to uh, to the personalities, listening to uh, John Miller, listening to all these guys. Um, on KMBR, so it's just crazy that now I get to speak with Mr. Marty Lurie um, to talk some baseball and just dive into the golden age because he is one of those people that was around in the golden age of baseball, and he's seen things that none of us have seen, especially myself. I mean, I've seen it on YouTube, but that's not the same as seeing it at Ebbets Field. It's not the same. So we're going to talk to Marty about all of that growing up in that era, what it was like talking about um, how the game has changed from then to now, some rule changes. We got a lot to uncover, so I'm going to keep this open really short so we can get to Marty and just get this thing rolling. So coming up next, we have the voice of the San Francisco Giants pregame, Marty Lurie, to talk Giants baseball, baseball in general, and the Golden Age. So that is what we have coming up next. You're listening to Passion for the Pastime Podcast. All right, everybody, and welcome back. Walter here for Passion for the Pastime, and we are talking opening day. It is upon us. We are recording this on the eve of opening day, and with me I have the voice of the San Francisco Giants pregame on KMBR 104.5 and 680, Mr. Marty Lurie, talking baseball with Marty Lurie. How you doing, Marty? Well, really good, Walter. It's a beautiful day. I'm down here in Arizona. Opening day is coming up, a very special day. It's almost a national holiday. I'm glad that we could get to it this year. Yeah, it should be a national holiday, right? Like, call off of work, no one go to school. Like, that's just how it should be, right? Well, that's the way it used to be. (laughs) Uh, You know, in San Francisco, for sure, opening day. And it will be this year to some extent, of course, with lesser people. But uh, opening day was a day you took off work. If you uh, worked half a day, you did that, and uh, everybody went to opening day for the Giants, and Candlestick would fill up and everything else. Cincinnati, opening day was was huge. The whole city of Cincinnati closed up, and they had a big parade, and that was always the traditional opener. Washington, D.C., the president used to come out and throw out the first pitch of uh, the opening day of the baseball season, so... There's a lot of history with opening day. It's a very special day for a lot of people. And it's the beginning of six months and the marathon. 
and it's going to be an interesting year this year. Yeah, there was definitely a time period uh, when I in my youth that I would not attend school on opening day. Like it was a it was <laughs> a, a tradition in my family that my uncle would take me out to the ballpark, uh, whether it be Candlestick, whether it be uh, AT and T, now Oracle Park. Always at the ball game on opening day. That was a given. So it's a very special time, a very special time, a lot of special memories. Um, but I kind of want to get into that with you, Marty, because you've been around the game for so long. Uh, you lived through, grew up. In the golden age of baseball, just give me a little bit of a taste of what that was like growing up through that, uh, your best memories of baseball. Well, it was fabulous. I grew up in Brooklyn, New York uh, in the in the 50s. And, of course, in those days, it was Willie, Mickey, and the Duke. And uh, if you lived in Brooklyn and uh, you were a Dodger fan and a Giant fan lived next door to you, you didn't talk to him. Uh, there were no Yankee fans in Brooklyn. I mean, it was really that different. Uh, so it was an amazing time. Baseball cards were a big deal. That's how you learned about your favorite players. Uh, you followed the newspaper articles as best you could in the Daily News. And Dick Young was a writer and all that kind of stuff. So it was really a lot of fun as a kid growing up around baseball with your heroes. And certainly in New York, we had a lot of them. It brings me to my story. My favorite one was going to Ebbets Field in 1956, opening day of 1956. Now, I was only a little kid in Brooklyn, but 1955, the Dodgers won the World Series. It was incredible. They finally beat the Yankees and won the World Series. And in 1956, if you opened a savings account at the Lincoln Savings Bank for $2, you got two tickets to opening day of the Dodgers and the Phillies. And it was Don Newcomb and Robin Roberts. And you got to be there to see the World Series flag being raised for the first time ever in Brooklyn. So we went down to Lincoln Savings Bank. I opened up an account with my mother for a couple of bucks, got two tickets, and went to opening day of 1956. Forgot about the account for about 40 years, and now it's got a million dollars in it. Wow. I'm <laughs> only kidding. Uh, Walter, that's, I'm only kidding on that part. Hey, I, I was, was going to take your word yeah. for it, Marty. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. I wish. But that's, uh, that's my Brooklyn story. And uh, it was a great time to be a, a baseball fan. And baseball cards were such a big part of our lives. Who was your, your favorite player growing up? I know you mentioned Ebbets Field and, and seeing the Dodgers. Who, who was your favorite player? Well, uh, Jackie Robinson was my favorite, uh, as many kids in Brooklyn. Uh, you know, you Jackie, Pee Wee, Carl Ferrillo, Roy Campanella. I love watching Don Newcomb pitch and hit. And crazily, uh, in the, you know, mid-50s, when the St. Louis Browns moved to Baltimore, uh, I became a Baltimore Oriole fan. I like the bird on the hat. And uh, I became an Oriole fan, uh, and I was an Oriole fan my whole life until I started getting involved in baseball, and then I sort of became a baseball fan. But um, for the Orioles, Bob Turley, believe it or not, uh, the right-hander, uh, was my favorite player uh, for a good part of the 50s. Of course, after leaving Brooklyn in 1956, I moved to South Florida. And I was an Oriole fan in South Florida. Incredible. I was the only one, but I was an Oriole fan down there, and that was interesting. That's awesome, Marty. That is definitely uh, just growing up in that time frame. I mean, the golden age of baseball to see all those players. Um, and you mentioned your favorite player. My favorite player, I don't know 
you know, how you feel on it, but I never saw this player play, but I love everything that he stood for and just uh, everything that he meant to the, the Latin community is Roberto Clemente, right? That he's my favorite player um, of all time. I never got to see him play. I've seen highlights, but it's not the same, right? But have you, did you ever see Roberto play? Were, were you ever, ever able to be fortunate enough to see him live? Yes. Yes, I did. Uh, I saw him in the 60s. Uh, I took a trip to Houston, Texas to see the Houston Colt 45s. My uncle lived down in, in the Houston area, and I flew down in 1963 to see some games of the Colt 45s. And I saw Colfax pitch, I saw Drysdale pitch, and the next team in, Pittsburgh Pirates. Oh, and man. there was Roberto Clemente. And I have this indelible picture in my mind of how he swung the bat with his foot heading towards the coaching box at third base, the bat never moving from the zone and coming through the zone and just crushing the ball. And I'll never forget it, that that batting stance, because I really hadn't seen anything like that. But that's the one time I remember seeing him play. I came to San Francisco in 1972 and really don't remember seeing him. And then, of course, he tragically passed away that uh, New Year's of 73. But uh, that one time I did see him in the 60s, incredible, incredible bat speed. And he had the most unique way of hitting. And he was a great hitter. And uh, MVP, should have been MVP in 1960. And he was Roberto Clemente, not Bob Clemente, not Bobby Clemente. He was Roberto Clemente. Yeah, Roberto Clemente. It's always uh, funny to to relive, um, you know, people that actually saw him play. Like I, I spoke with uh, Jack Clark uh, years ago, and he mentioned how Roberto Clemente was his favorite uh, player growing up, being that he was from uh, the Pittsburgh area, right? So he always talked about that um, and just how he was so unique. Like there was no one, and you mentioned his batting stance, right? His swing. Uh, he was so unique. You didn't see anyone like that. So it's just it's crazy uh, to 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 relive that with Roberto Clemente. And I'm I'm envious that you were able to watch, but also well, uh, happy that you were able to share that that uh, that you know a little bit of a, a memory of Roberto. Well, in 1971, he broke my heart uh, when the Pirates beat the Orioles in the World Series. <laughs> yeah. You know, and uh, he was incredible hitting a home run off Cuellar. Uh, in game seven and just the throws and everything else hit over 400 in that world series. He was the reason the pirates won incredible player. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're talking with Marty Lurie here. Uh, you can catch him on KMBR 1045 and 680 on the weekends giants pregame, uh, throughout the year. Now we, we've talked about the golden age of the baseball and you know, how does that really compare to today's game? Well, it's different. Uh, it's a different kind of game, let's face it. Uh, in the golden age of baseball, the, the heroes may have lived down the block from you. Uh, they lived in the neighborhood. Uh, they were kind of like your family in many, many ways. Uh, today's players are you know, stockbrokers and worried about millions and uh, all sorts of different things like that. Uh, the, the game today is bigger, stronger, faster. Uh, the defense is incredible, the power of the hitters, uh, the speed of the pitchers. So in the 50s, uh, you, had, you had pitchers who could go nine innings and control a game. You had some power hitters who hit 40 home runs or 50 home runs. The parks were small. Uh, then you had your superstars 
who maybe made a hundred thousand uh, dollars, Ted Williams, and of course Musial and Mays at some point. Uh, it was just a different game. You you had more stolen bases, uh, Louis Aparicio and Maury Wills and Lou Brock, and people like that uh, were. You'd go to a game, and in the eighth inning, you knew the guy was going to go, and he went and stole a base, and that was what a base stealer was all about. Um, so it was exciting. All the games were exciting. I tell people this. You can shake up the game and do all you want with the rules, but the last three outs, 25, 26, and 27, are still the toughest outs in baseball to get. And you still have to play nine innings, hopefully not seven. And you'll end up uh, with a game that goes right down to the end in an exciting way. So the game of baseball to me is still very much the same. You have to hit, you got to catch the ball, and you got to pitch. And you got to be ahead in the count, and you've got to be smart, and teams like that win. So it hasn't changed that much. But of course, today it's power, walk, strike out, home run where before you had the hitters who could move the ball around, who would be leadoff hitters and bottle bats and Nelly Fox and people like that. Uh, So it was a different game to watch, but still very, very enjoyable either way. Now you mentioned a little bit on uh you know some some rule changes that may be uh coming coming about in today's game uh you know you mentioned the the seven innings and and uh, the the runner on second and what we saw last year I don't know if that's going to continue into the future but universal DH all stuff like that things that are being changed uh to the game to make it, I guess, more exciting is what people are saying. And and uh, Jason Stark released something on The Athletic. He spoke with Theo Epstein, and uh, he he said that we should be shooting uh, for the absolute very best version of the game. What What is the best version of the game in your eyes, Marty? Well, it, it's just the game of baseball, to tell you the truth. That, that's the best version. Now, what's changed? And evolved the kind of people who watch the game and run the game of baseball, and and the world we live in today. We didn't. It wasn't a computer age sixty years ago, fifty years ago. Uh, we didn't have streaming. We didn't have the internet. We didn't have fan graphs. We didn't have baseball prospectus. We didn't have all those things. So today, there's so much knowledge, and the fans know so much about the game, and the patience level is different than it was years ago. So the world has evolved. We've changed uh, through Twitter. We can ruin someone's life in 20 seconds on Twitter. Uh, We can get people elected by using Twitter, by social media platforms. So the world has changed, and baseball has to change with it and speed the game up because people don't want to sit and look at their phones for three and a half hours to watch a game being streamed. And that's just the reality of where life is today. So um, that's how I feel about it. Uh, baseball's going to evolve. Some of the rules I like. Some are, you know, we'll have to see how they work out. Uh, the shift is the biggest deal. That's the biggest deal. Because today, pitchers throw 98, 99, they throw 100. It's not that easy to go the other way and beat the shift. And also the theory is you don't want to get four singles to score a run. You want a double and a single or you want a home run. So the idea is if you walk, it's good. You strike out, all right. But if you hit a home run, we love you. And that's the way the game is, is starting to be played now. 
And that I could do without. I like more of the athleticism. I like what Theo says. I like what Manfred has said about trying to get the bunt back in the game. The pendulum swings. Isn't it funny of life how it swings back and forth? Now they want bunting back in the game. They want stealing back in the game. They want throws back in the game. They want Clemente back in the game <laughs> to do the things that we talked about earlier. So life evolves, baseball evolves, and some changes will come because of the evolution of life and the evolution of the game of baseball. You know, I, I said this the other day on the radio. Yeah, sometimes I say crazy stuff. But in the 1890s, you know, the mound, there was no mound. There was a box you pitched from, a rectangle, and it was 54 feet away from home plate. Well, the pitchers became so strong and there's so many different pitches that they were overpowering the hitters. So they moved the mound back 60 feet, 6 inches, and created a mound at that point, which was just revolutionary. You couldn't believe it. And I said, now, I said, why not move the mound back two feet and see what what happens, see if it'll slow the pitching down and get the bat back in the game the way we talked about it. And you think I would have said, well, why don't we have five bases instead of four? I mean, that's how people react to it. We can't do that. It's crazy. But they did it in baseball, and baseball's rules evolved for 40, 50 years until they came up with the game that we see today. Yeah, it's funny that you brought up the the mound thing because Theo talks about that, and he's kind of on board with that, moving it back uh, a little bit because it, it, it increases the uh, the reaction time for the hitters and maybe they can get yeah. that on the ball. And it, it, it makes sense, right? It makes sense. Um, Why not? I, I, think that's Try kind it. Of, yeah, I think that's kind of the thing, though, is that you want to see more balls in play. I think we're all uh, on the opinion that, you know, we're – yeah, home run, it's exciting, yeah, but I, I could do without the less strike or more strikeouts, you know what I mean? Uh, we want to see more balls in play. I think that would generate more entertainment because not even not only just, you know, you have guys running around the bases, you have potential for uh, fantastic defensive plays as well. So it's like the more balls you can get into play, um, I, I think the better. I think that's what we're dealing with. But it, we kind of go back to the shift in – that has eliminated balls in play. Um, and they're now t- uh, toying with the in the minors about regarding uh, changes to the shift in that players have to stay um, on, on, the, on dirt. the dirt. Yeah, they have yeah. to stay on the dirt. They're trying it in double-A. Um, where are you at with the shift? Uh, do you want to eliminate it? Are you okay with that on the dirt? Uh, because it doesn't say, like, two on the left side, two on the right side of, of, okay. of second base. What, what's the best way to go about it? I know it's kind of uh, trial and error, but what do you think on that? Well, it is trial and error, and I'm willing to uh, put two on each side of second base uh, as opposed to put four on the right side or four on the left side. Uh, I think if you do that, um, you, you get a better game. And I, I just think you get a better game that way. I'm willing to try anything to see what it looks like. And it's nothing that can get resolved in two months or three months. You, you've got, you need a period of a couple of years to see how it works out. And that's why baseball now owns the minor leagues. They got rid of all these other franchises, and they now own the minor leagues, and they can do whatever they want. They created a, an experimental laboratory. So let's see how it works out. You talk about action. I was watching the Giants in Seattle the other night, and uh, it was about the eighth inning, and the Seattle pitcher walked a batter, struck out a batter, walked a batter, struck out a batter, walked a batter, and struck out the last batter. 
The ball was never put in play. It lasted about 25 minutes. And it was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. And with all the relievers today and the way they throw so hard, you have to get the action back into the game. So I'm with Theo. Try it. Uh, I'm open to trying anything that makes the game better. Uh, I, I don't think you can say, well, we can't do that. You can do that. You can do whatever you want. It's your game. And let's see what works. Yeah, definitely. Let's see what works um, for sure. I mean, I mean, I, I want to see more action too. Like flash the leather. I want to see balls in play. Let, let's get it going. Let's get it rolling. Uh, I'm excited for that. But also excited for Giants baseball, Marty. We haven't talked to any Giants baseball. Let's get to it before I let you go here. Um, a lot, you know, to look forward to in the 2021 season. Uh, we escaped, right? The, we, as in the Giants, escaped um, spring training almost had a little bit of a scare with, with Mike Estremsky. How's he doing uh, with, with the injury? Well, suppose I was there. I saw it. Uh, I went, that was my first game I'd seen in a year. <laughs> and there I was. Uh, Mike Estremsky gets hit on the hand. You could hear it throughout the ballpark. Um, it's a contusion. There's nothing broken or fractured in there. He's had his x-rays. So hopefully, uh, you know, you get hit hard. Those bones are in those little bones. You never know in the hand, but I would assume uh, this kid's ready to go. He's a heck of a ball player. He's probably the, the strongest player they have on the team and all the fundamentals. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with him, but the, the key to the Giants uh, is health. Uh, they're an old team. Uh, back in the old days in the Pacific Coast League, the Oakland Oaks, managed by Casey Stengel in 1948, won the PCL pennant. It was a big deal. And you know what the nickname of the team was? Nine old men. Well, <laughs> the Giants the Giants are nine old men. Uh, they have the oldest team in baseball, at least starting. And uh, health will be a big deal for them, uh, whether they're going to be able to be healthy all year and what their depth is like. And that's really the story. Uh, they've got some good relief pitching, uh, starting pitching. They have, a, you know, Webb I saw the other day. He was great down here in spring training. Uh, Gosman looks like he, he's a real deal. Steve Scofani can, you know, get out. Uh, Sanchez's arm is probably way, needs a lot more work. Let's put it that way. And Cueto, you hope is Louis Tiant reincarnated. That uh, Just put him out on the mound and with all his tricks and guile that he'll be able to get people out. But the big thing is the health, uh, is staying healthy for this team and keeping the guys they need on the field. So that's, that's the biggest problem I see for them. Defense, if you keep Longoria, Belt, Crawford, and Solano, Lestella on the field, you're okay. But if you got Flores at third and Lestella at second and uh, Flores at, at first base or Solano, and, you know, you don't want to, it's not going to be pretty to go 162 like that. So we'll see. We'll see. They're in a tough division. But this is what baseball is all about. You never know who's going to get injured. You never know what players are going to break through. But it looks like they, they've got their hands full chasing the Padres and the Dodgers. But they're the Giants. And Farhan has figured out how to do this. He's turned it into a, a computer game. He has every advantage. He's got printouts like he's sending a rocket to Mars. Uh, for A hitter comes up against this pitcher. Uh, the pitchers said three and one count better throw a slider. They know everything. The whole game is scripted and 
Kapler, all he has to do is make sure he takes the relief pitcher out at the right time. But everything else will be scripted, how far the pitchers go, what the hitters look for. They've got so much information. And I think he's ahead of the curve, and I think it helps him win games. They were 29-31 last year with a team that really had not much, and they came close to playing 500 ball. If they can play 500 ball this year, I think they'd be very happy. And I think they've got a chance to do that. And if that happens, it'll keep them in the wild card race probably for the last couple of weeks of the year. And I think that's not totally unrealistic. So it's a wide open picture. The mosaic, the tiles are not on there yet. And we'll see where it goes. Yeah, and you mentioned health. Uh, Marty, I wasn't going to blame you or anything, but your first game back. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know, yeah. man. <laughs> That's all we needed. All we needed was Webb to get a line drive off his knee or oh, something. Oh, gosh, but, yeah. Don't, don't speak it into but it was existence. Nice seeing, yeah, Posey had a nice hit. He whacked one off the center field wall. Um, you know, they, they, Solano has a rabbit's foot in his pocket. Everything the guy hits seems to fall in there. Um, so it was good. It was nice to see them, and they handled the A's in that one. And, uh, you know, spring training was okay. The main thing is to get out of here healthy, and they're relatively healthy getting out of here. We'll see what Aaron Sanchez does. Um, you know, he, he's coming back from shoulder surgery. Not simple. So you have to hope you're going to get something from him. And Alex Wood had the ablation of his nerves and his back. That's going to take a little while to come back from. But uh, it's a long season. It's 162. It's not 60. So we have to adjust our sights again. Don't go nuts in April if they don't go well. And don't don't win the pennant in April either. You know, they could get off to a good start in April and May and then fall apart in June and July, and I'll see you later. So this is one you take your time. April and May, you try to figure out who you are. In June, you try to refine it a little bit. In July, you make your deals. And August and September, the young players take over in August because it's so hot. And in September, the pros take over. And that's the way a baseball season goes. So we got to readjust our sights. It's not 60 games anymore. It's a full year. So take it slowly. Don't head for the bridge if they end, if they go 3-10 and 10 in the first 13 games. And you mentioned uh, Farhan, um, and, the, and the farm system has improved vastly, right? Uh, what are the timetables, you know, looking at these youngsters that you talk about, Ramos, Luciano, Bishop, Bailey, what, what are the timelines on those guys? Well, we'll see him in 2023, uh, something like that. Uh, Ramos before, or probably Bart before. I'm not sure how much they love Bart. Um, but I, I would think that this is 21. 22, probably it'll be a breakthrough of Ramos and maybe Bart coming up. Uh, Luciano's probably more of a 23, 24 guy. Um, Bailey, we'll see what he can do. Uh, they, they need pitching, and that's the biggest thing. He, he had to go out and get 30 non-roster pitchers to try to put his team together, and none of them made the team. It's incredible. And with, it just brought back the, the true story of baseball when you get down to the end of spring training, you don't want to lose inventory. So the non-roster people stayed as non-roster people. They're at the alternate site. We'll see if they bring them up. But you didn't have to make any moves on the 40-man to get them on the 40-man. So everyone is on the 40-man is safe. The 26 players are all here. Some were optioned out. 
but they didn't lose any of the non-roster guys. So they need pitching in the farm system. And I think that's the biggest challenge for Farhan is getting enough pitchers to compete. It's not that easy to just go in the uh, waiver wire and just keep picking people up. He does it, but it's not an ideal way to run your ball club. You need to develop young pitchers in the minor leagues. Do you think they move some of their hitting prospects for some pitchers? No, no. Uh, they're, they're not going to do that. Well, when you say hitting prospects, if you mean Crawford and Belt and Posey and those people, I don't think so. Um, no, you know, de- definitely Bart, the younger guys. Yeah, definitely the younger yeah, guys. Bart, it's, Bart, it's not impossible. Uh, I think Slater is ready to have a breakthrough season. Uh, he may have a little bit of interest. But, um, no, um, Bart may be the only one that could bring something, but Bart's never shown anything yet. Yeah. So I think for 2021, Let's try to get a regular minor league season in, get these guys playing to see who they are. This is a very big let's learn about the Giants season. The major league team is set, but everyone, everybody else in the organization is not set. And it's a learning time. We'll see if Ramos, how he does. I mean, I, what I saw in spring training is a very excited player. He plays 100% every play, sometimes too aggressive. But he looks like he can play in the big leagues. So he may be the closest, and I think we will see him in the major leagues this year. But for everybody else, this is a learning year to see who you are. And I think that's the way you have to approach it. All right, Marty, well, it was great talking to you. Before I let you go, uh, last podcast I spoke with Bill Plunkett of the Orange County Register for the Dodgers, beat writer for the Dodgers. Asked him the over-under uh-huh. Uh, for the Dodgers, and he was they were at 103.5. Do you think that goes over? Do you think that goes under? And where do you sit on the over-under on the Giants at 70, uh, 74.5? Yeah, uh, I think the Dodgers are over 103. They're probably a 106 team. Now, the only difference could be, and who knows what the Padres are going to do if the Padres will keep the pressure on. Uh, if the Padres don't keep the pressure on, the Dodgers may get off the throttle in September and cost them some wins. But uh, if I had to predict, I would say in this National League with so many teams, and especially in the West of the American League and the National League where the Dodgers are going to play games, is fairly weak. I'll go over. Now, the Giants, I'm going over 74 and a half. A lot depends on you know how they start and what they do in July. But I think this is a team that can win 80 games. I really do. I think Farhan's competitive enough. I think he's got the script. I think he's, he's, he's a laboratory guy. He comes to work wearing a white coat. And they look like they have NASA uh, when you open the door. That's what the front office looks like with all the people sitting in front of computers. And they're coming up with things. And if Kapler just stays out of everyone's way and just does what they tell him to do, I think they can win 80 games. All right, Mario, I'll pencil you in for 80. Uh, Thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it, and we'll talk to you down the line, man. Thank you. Anytime, Walter, anytime. Yes, good questions. I told you, (laughs) you ask the questions, I give the answers. (laughs) Thanks again, Marty. All right, take care.
And again, that was Marty Lurie of KMBR 104.5 and 680, the sports leader. Go ahead and listen to Marty every weekend for Giants pregame, talking baseball with Marty Lurie on KMBR 104.5 and 680. If you want to hear more conversations, more uh, insight into the game, and just remembering baseball with Marty Lurie, go ahead and check that out. I highly recommend it, and I want to thank Marty for coming on. It was a lot of fun. So I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation with the great Marty Lurie. And we'll talk to him down the line. 80, 80 wins for the Giants. We'll have to see. We'll have to see how that goes. But uh, you guys have a good one. Be safe. It is opening day. A great time. Just as Marty said, should be a national holiday. Hell, it is a national holiday. I declare it right now a national holiday. So you guys have a good one. Talk to you next time. And we're getting this thing rolling into the 2021 MLB regular season. 162 is underway. And I can't wait to talk more baseball coming up all year. So you guys have a good one. Talk to you next time.